Father, we ask that you be with all of our teachers and, and students this morning, that we may be ready always to give an account for your word. Thank you for all of our many blessings. Thank you for your son who died on the cross. We ask forgiveness of our sins in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to start with a new uh, portion of the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew 5, at verses 38 through 42. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It reads, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. But what Jesus is teaching here at the beginning is a principle. And it's based upon a verse that is found in Exodus. All of we've been studying now kind of follows with Jesus talking about the law. When he said, I'm not here to add or subtract to the law, I'm here to fulfill the law. But in his teaching now, he's looking at that law that was given to Moses, given to the nation of Israel, and showing a depth that's obviously the people aren't seeing. All of these instances that we've looked at, Jesus says, you have heard. This is what you were taught. This is probably the understanding that you've come with, but here's what I say. And of course, that shows he has authority. I mean, if he has any authority on the law, he was the author, was he not? He's the one that gave it and granted it to the nation of Israel. So here we see a principle that was based on a verse. We need to remember, though, that the law of Moses was both a civil as well as a moral code. Now, what do I mean by law and, and moral? What's moral mean? Right. Yeah, right or Justice. wrong. Justice. Ethical. Huh? Ethical. Ethical. Yes, I like that. Yeah, just a, a code, we call it, you know, it's like a code of conduct. It's, it's, this is what you need to do. And so, if you will, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Because I think it's worth going back and, and looking at this. Exodus 20 contains the Ten Commandments, but if we look at the chapters of 21 through 23, there's a series of ordinances and in which the standards of the Ten Commandments are applied to this young nation's existence. Remember, this is planted and given to the nation of Israel as a very young nation. They don't have anything. All they know is what they experienced and what they were brought up with under uh, the control of the Egyptians. Now as a nation being brought out of Egypt, here's God saying, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to conduct yourselves. Here's how you need to be a people. My people, my chosen people. So here we see some ordinances and some standards. 
and a wide variety of case laws are given uh, in these examples in chapter 21 through 23 with a particular emphasis on the damage that is given to a person or to a person's property. Okay? So it is in the course of this legislation that these words occur, an eye for an eye, or a tooth for a tooth. Let's look at chapter 21. Andy, would you read verses 22 through 25? It says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for, for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. See the context there? The context? Two men striving, and perhaps an innocent woman nearby. You know, just and this is just one example of, of, of the effectiveness of, of the legislation. In fact, if you were to go back, the concept of verses 12 through 27 of Exodus had to do with the law concerning violence. Human nature says there's going to be violence, you know, present. And if there is violence, it also lays out fair punishment for a crime. The context, I think, makes it very clear beyond question that this was instruction to the judges of Israel. It gives them the necessary guidance to make judgment on a case that may come before them. And uh, the principle is exact retribution. You match the punishment to the crime. Everybody understand that? I mean, the extreme one in there is, is, is a life for a life. You know, if you take someone's life, a just punishment and retribution would be you're going to lose your life. Now, with that understanding, what should that make anyone and everyone to think? I don't know, we shouldn't do it. The punishment's too great. You just stop and think, you know, about doing something like that. Um, I think the concept is indeed, again, uh, mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 19. So let's turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 19. <clears throat> Again, lots of guidance, a lot of direction provided to this young, fledgling nation of Israel to get them to be conducting themselves in, in a manner in which God wants them to conduct themselves among themselves and, of course, the course among the nations that they're also going to be uh, faced with. So Deuteronomy 19, verse, start at verse 15, and we're going to read through verse 21. A single witness 
shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests, and the judges who are in office in those days. Note this, the judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then he, you, he says, shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And the rest shall hear and fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So what do you see there? Investigate thoroughly. Investigate thoroughly. And don't take it the word of just one person. you got to have more than one. If there's a problem there, the judge could say, you, you all need to work it out. Okay? But also, if you got a false witness, somebody who's just bringing something to you falsely, and they've determined that you are a false witness, What's the payment there? Yeah, the judge is going to say, if you wanted $100 for the offense, well, guess what? You're a false witness. Give me $100. <laughs> so the idea was that, you know, whatever you wanted to happen to the person you were making the, the false accusation against was going to be fault you. And that should add fear and understanding to the people where you just got to be careful what you bring with regards to a charge with another person. But if you got witnesses with you, then you're in probably pretty good shape. The instruction had the double effect of defining justice. What would society be like if we didn't have justice? It should be a, a foundation. It is a foundation. Our name, our nation, is founded on. But what would this nation, what would this world be if there was no justice at all? Chaos. Chaos. I'd be like California. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like Chicago, right? Yeah. Constant fear of our lives. Because the worst thing that could happen is somebody could just take you out, snuff you out, for whatever cause they wanted to do. But the laws are there to prevent that kind of stuff from happening. But it also is there to restrain revenge. Okay? And so keep that 
It's fine. Rick, yes. Am I mistaken? Yeah. Think they they made a couple. Yeah, some money for it. Yes. Yes. Because they, they wanted everybody to see it, so to help with the restraint. Yeah. Yeah. What Jesus is condemning here in the Sermon on the Mount is basically taking the law in your own hands. So he's talking about anarchy? Well, if everybody took the law in their own hands, well, there would be anarchy. Would there not? I mean, if somebody just, you, you take somebody off of the minorest thing and the worst thing they could do, like I said, is just come and take your life. I mean, so it, it, it's, you can't take the law in your own hands. That, that, we, we've talked a lot about the culture that day, but, and I know Sean put it here in the notes, so I did a little looking into it. The, the culture of the day was, this was a great law, but again, we had to bend it. Yeah. And so I think the, the thing that Jesus is saying is, once again, I've set down a rule. Here's a, here's a law. Here's the interpretation of the law. And unless you are better than the Pharisees, you ain't going to make it. Because they, they busted the law. Yeah. And, they, and they actually, what I found, would teach retaliation. Mm -hmm. And thus we go back to the cities and different things. They said, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 Oh, you stole the cow? Oh, it's your life. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a little bit ahead of me here. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but, but you're this close to where I was getting with that. I'm sorry. Note that one other thing I wanted to show you, an example of the Old Testament, even the instruction given regarding slaves in, in Exodus shows that the loss of an eye or a tooth, okay, on a slave, was not repaid as we implied or as we read here, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. And I want to show that to you. Look over at, at uh, chapter 21 of Exodus. And we'll just look at verses 26 and 27 then. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it. So what's the it? Yeah. The eye. He shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. Now with the idea that an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, where does that fit in with what we're seeing here? What's the cost to you as a slain owner if you took out somebody's eye or you took out someone's tooth? You have to let the slave go. You lose the slave. If you hit one, you lose the slave. You lose the slave. You're not entitled to take a tooth. You're not entitled to take another eye. Be your own, it would be the master's eye. Be, yes, be yeah, yeah. So you can see the idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth is not that kind yeah, of tree. It's not that super. So is that so they so in today's society when you when someone murders another person and then gets the consequence of lethal injection, they're using what they think is an eye for an eye or 
Well, talking about life for life, I think, we'll, don't get ahead of us here, but we'll talk about some of that um, uh, deeper as we go. Because I can assure you, we're not going to get through this today. <laughs> we're going to be picking this up today and again on Wednesday night. But here's the idea. The scribes and the Pharisees evidently uh, extended the principle of just distribution or retribution from the law courts. That's where it belongs. It belongs in the courts. It needs to be brought to the priest or to the judges of the time to make them make judgment. You're not allowed to take the law into your own hands. But what the scribes and the Pharisees evidently did is they took personal relationships uh, to the realm of personal relationships. And that's not where it belongs. It needs to be in the court. Okay? Thus, some were interpreting this law and that it was okay to strike back in vengeance. I think a bad interpretation would be if someone hits you in the eye, you are totally entitled to do what? Hit them back into the eye. Okay? The society, the world, sort of still subscribe to that? They do, don't they? They do. All of the verses that we've looked at, and even some more that we'll look at in the New Testament, they basically tell us they were meant for judicial punishment. It is not there for personal revenge. But you see how there must have been some distortion at the time. Jesus says, this is what you've been told. This is what you taught. This is what you understand. But here's what I say. Taking it deeper. I think, like, to me, this is one of the, the beauties of living under this and not having to live under the old law. Like, not even if you took it for personal revenge, but imagine being... I could think of a situation where, like, with the man, the two men arguing. Like, what if they're brothers and they fight and the wife and the baby gets hurt, right? And then he has to be the one. To, there's no room for mercy. Like, if you're going to follow the law, like, you you don't just lose your child, you lose your brother, too. Like, there's, and the parents of the disobedient child, and they have to, if they're going to follow the law, there is not room for them to make the call for mercy. And I think it's so nice to have the freedom that we don't have to keep that score and we don't have to take that. Good point. And, and really, that's what it is. They're saying, you're not the court. <laughs> God is saying, you're not the judge. There's a system in place, and he put it in place, just like we have a system in our society. Let that be decided elsewhere. Okay. Um, remember, Jesus said, "Blessed be the meek." Very early on in the Beatitudes, that was one of the characteristics that they wants of the disciples of his people. Meekness is the opposite of taking revenge, isn't it? I mean, if you want to contrast, you got revenge and you got meekness over here. So, which side does Jesus? wants to be towards me. Good concept, difficult to employ. 
And so I think what Jesus is affirming is that this principle is not applicable to our personal relationships. And we, and we do have personal relationships. Not only is Jesus saying not to take matters into our own, our own hands, but to go one step further and do what? To live by a higher standard. Yeah. To let them harm you. Right. Let them harm you. Personal relationships are based on what? What should they be based on? Trust. Trust, I like that. Respect. There's a deeper, I'm looking for a deeper word. Respect for each other. Respect. Love for each other. Love for each other. There you go. That's it. Personal relationships should be based upon a foundation of love. Not retaliation. But the acceptance of injustice without revenge or redress. That's what is wrong. Look at Chapter 5 of Matthew. Look there again at verse 39. What do you see? What are we not to resist? An evil person? Not only does he say not to resist them, but he says do good to them. In that like same part in the next verse, it says, you know, if if he wants to sue you, then give him the cloak. Like, or if he is begging for you, like give him the money, give him what he needs. Like, don't. It's not even just don't resist him. It's like do good to him. Yeah, and it goes back to that idea of the, the foundation of which a personal relationship is. It's love, and if you have love for the other person. Okay. Even if they're performing something evil or wicked against you. So I say that's a big pill. So it's a really big pill. So if a homeless person asks for money when you're walking out of Circle K or somewhere, you say we should we have something to give it to them? Give it to them or Well, that's a, a later thought. We'll get to, to that. Um because that is a, a, a further thought down the text. Mm -hmm. But let me stick where we're at right here. Mm -hmm. What has Sean been telling and emphasizing to us with the study of the, of, of the Sermon on the Mount? Our heart. It's our heart. heart. <clears throat> and let me tell you, what we're seeing here is a deep, deep, deep matter of the heart. Matter of the heart. Right? So, 39, and, and, and a lot of these, they kind of point back to the attitudes. This one, to me, points back to the first one. Yeah, you're also being a peacemaker at the same yep. time. Yep. But I think we need to make sure that you understand that a lot of what he's saying here is relating back to what he previously said. Yep. It, it's like a further explanation of... In two accounts. Yes. One is going back to those beatitudes and stringing that out, but then there's that aspect of the law, too. Those two, those two, yeah, those two things, and he's been drawing on the Beatitudes and the Law of Moses and, and giving some very good things. This is what you've been taught, he's saying. Again, emphasizing that. This is what you've been taught. And therefore, because 
they didn't have scrolls at home. <laughs> they didn't have the pleasure that we have, you know, curling pages of their text, you know, that way. But they only had, could take in what they were hearing, what they were taught. So where it's easy for us to understand, because we've been, most of us have been brought up in the pews and we understand this, he's changing their whole mindset. And I think we lose that too. I mean, because they're used to the old law. This is the way it was. Can't change it. And now we got this guy coming saying, you've heard this, but we're going to do this. Yeah. And I'm able to do that because I have the authority to change it. Well, he's not changing the law. He's not changing he's the been, law. Well, he's, he's not changing. He's making it better. He's, right? given, it, he's given it he's some depth. He's given it the interpretation that was originally intended. Yeah. So what it's they not originally were given was being distorted by the scribes and exactly. the Pharisees anyways. For years. So now yeah. it is almost a reteaching because what they were hearing and learning was so distorted. And we must be better than the Pharisees. Right. Yeah. So. And, and you realize Jesus is no young kid here. He's experienced some life and in his travels he's, see, he's seeing things and hearing things and I think he's addressing things that were true issues of the day. And the idea of revenge, taking an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was a firm belief well, and a stance and a practice that was going on that day among the people. So yes, what you're going back to is, yeah, but where it needs to go is right there. If you're going to make any kind of change, it needs to be a matter, it's a matter of the heart. You know, if, if sometimes being a good witness for Jesus means going beyond what is expected of us. Just real quick, so going back then into the text, Jesus says, I came to fulfill. And nothing will pass away until that happens. Yes. So in the fulfillment of, the, of what Jesus is doing, he is teaching them the commands. Because he's not going to leave the earth until this is taken care of. Yeah. I need to let you know exactly what I put down. Because it's going to be very important after I'm dead. And if you recall when we talked about the fulfillment of the law, yeah. It hasn't been totally fulfilled. It's not done yet. yet. It's not so, done so yet. He's, he's just tying up, we would say, tying up loose ends on his way to the final destination. Yes. For Christianity, you know, for Christianity to take a hold like it did in, in the world at that time, I hope you can fathom the steep uphill slope that was before all the people. And Jesus is, 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 I think that's why the people were in awe of his teaching, because it's so, it was deep, it was profound. It's something that, even though these weren't educated people, and many of them probably couldn't read or write, they could understand this. And, and where did he open up the scroll and all of a sudden get all these passages? Yeah. Because he, he wrote it. <laughs> I am the one that wrote this law, and I will tell you the interpretation of yeah. what I was telling you. Yeah. And they stand back and go, Yeah. I mean, some people, I've heard preachers say, Well, when we bow before Jesus, what else will you do? Yeah. You're going to stand up and in front of the Creator when it says, Every knee shall bow to me? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, I tell, I'm telling you what it is. And, and you're right, these people are having a hard time. But you can see why the Pharisees were so in. Because <coughs> you're running contrary to me. you're running contrary to me. what we have to make me mad. <laughs> and what do you mean, take it to the courts? Yeah. We yeah. are the courts. <laughs> yeah. 
reiterate again, sometimes being a good witness for Jesus means going beyond what is expected of us. One of the big picture themes, I think, of the Sermon on the Mount is that God expects us to live as witnesses for him. And that means to live differently. Differently from the way the world wants us to live. And what the world expects of you. But God has his expectations too, so there's that contrast that I, hopefully one would see. The world in this teaching would expect you to strike back. But that's not what Jesus is. He's teaching you must rise above that. You must be better than that. Your unusual conduct to them shows that you are different and that you are above retaliation. See where that's a big pill to take? Easier said than done. Easier said than done, true. I think it's interesting how he mentions the right cheek. I think the word right has always been a symbol for having favor with God. So the sheep are on the right um, when the angel appeared to um, uh, I think it was Zechariah appeared to the right hand of him um, and it just shows that God is in favor so I think it's interesting how he uses the right cheek because that's almost like saying even if you're in the right even if you know that what you're doing is right and they strike, strike you right, you don't retaliate even, even if you're in the right um, so that just makes, I think, the pill even harder to swallow. Exactly. I mean, like I said, this is deep, deep, deep metaphor. Such conduct, I think, is, far, is a far greater witness for uh, Jesus than anything we can say. You know, when you get struck, well, well, we'll talk about some of that. And so I think in order for the, this audience, and even for us, to understand what Jesus is meaning by all of this, we can look uh, elsewhere in the Bible, we can today, and, and see examples of what Jesus meant. In the Jewish culture, when someone slapped you on the cheek, it was a personal insult. A personal insult. It must have been something that was practiced a lot and done a lot at the time. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think Jesus would show this if it was something that wasn't being done. Now, in the book of Acts, there are several occasions where people were trying to kill Paul for, for doing what? Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Paul did not stand there and say, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, let them go ahead. What did he do instead? Hmm? Hmm? He preached anyway. He preached anyway, but if it was really harsh, what did he do? Flee. Hmm? He fleed. He fleed. He just stepped away from it. Or, he, or God told him, go. Yeah. This is not where you belong. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So instead, he, he, he ran for it. Now, Paul had the idea, I think, that um, God, and here's an idea. This is my rough 
free translation of Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, but I think what Paul's telling us is God alone knows when it's my time to go. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to live as long as I can, and I'm going to be a good witness for Jesus in that, in that aspect of life that I've been given. So maybe we need to adopt something like that as well. Now, Jesus laid a foundation here with this, but now he's going to give four examples or four illustrations of what he is trying to teach. And each, each illustration introduces a person, okay, who seeks to do uh, someone else an injury, okay? What's the first one? <coughs> What's the first illustration? The slap. Okay. The first by hitting us in the face. If someone strikes you or someone slaps you on the right cheek, Jesus says, turn the other to him also. Now we may think that's pretty harsh, you know, to get struck on, on the cheek. But I want you to turn back to Isaiah <coughs> chapter 50. Who is Isaiah? A prophet. And a prophet is a spokesman for God. And then Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 7. Isaiah says, The Lord God has given me. Who is it to me? Isaiah. God has given me, Isaiah, the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear. And he's talking about God. God awakens me every day, he says, but he awakens me by my ear. To hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. Look at these following verses. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. Did Isaiah have a rough time of it? And what was his attitude? It is what it is. You know? He obviously was abused and, and beat for, for, for teaching what he had been taught by God. In the words that God gave him, he shared that, and for that, he was abused. <clears throat> so what are we to do here? What are we to do? Stand firm. 
I'm going to say something because she said it under her breath. She's just Jim, I don't know you'd be a shy person. Well, but so her whole, her whole I mean, you just read that, and she's like, that's Christ. I mean, that's personified on Christ because he did that. So that's just reiterating it. So that's what we need to do and stand up. Yeah. So that, that's a good point. And I told her, I said, you need to make that or I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does fit. Thanks it, for it, 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 it is prophetic in its nature, yes. but also I think Isaiah is absolutely. saying, you know. But I, the thing is, is Christ... Isaiah did it, Christ did it, it's just an example of, to us that we also need to be in that and doing that so we can live, and it's, it's, we've already said, it's easier said than done, but it's easier said than you've ever been hit, it's hard not to retaliate. Well, first of all, I think, I'm sorry, John? I was going to say, is it okay if I mention an example of Jesus? Sure. Right here, because I tried to think of something where he could have retaliated and sought personal vengeance, and he didn't. When his own people became so angry with him in his own hometown, and these are people he grew up with and knew, and and he didn't he didn't try to avenge himself, even though he could have. When they tried to throw him off the cliff, he just said. And he we're going to look at some other examples that Jesus, I think, some other times, you know, in the future here. But think about this. What are we to do when something like slapping us on the face? So we'll pick up here on Wednesday night. Like I said, I knew we weren't going to get through this, but the schedule's got set. A lot of us, a lot of our instincts would want us to body slam that person. Yes. Yeah. And that's what 